Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. I'm very happy to be joined today by three representatives of detailed commercial solicitors in Nigeria. These being Dolapo Kukoyu, Abiodun Oyeledun and Chukwudi Ofili. Full biographies for all three can be found in the podcast descriptions. Now, we're speaking today hot on the heels of some big changes at the firm, with Dolapo taking the reins at the firm from the institution's founding partner, Ayuli Jamide. The firm has also announced three new partners, these being Abiodun, Temideo and Chukwudi. And I'm very happy to be th- joined today by Dolapo, Abiodun, and Shukwudi. Diving right into some questions, I want to start with you, Dolapo. Now, you're stepping into the managing partner role after spending your nearly 17 years since qualification at this very firm. Now, to commit such a period of time exclusively to a t- single firm must indicate some winning traits. But in your own words, what is it about detail which has driven such a commitment from you? Thank you, Thomas, and it's nice to be here. Um, I'd say it's a number of things, really, and not to not to say that it's been a walk in the park the, ne- the past almost 17 years. But um, because being a transactions lawyer in an environment like ours, it's quite challenge, but a good challenge. And there are a number of things, however, that have made it easier for me to continue to stay at detail. Uh, one is the values. Um, the values at detail resonate with my personal values and have remained so consistently over the years. And some of those are integrity, you know, professionalism, respect, diligence, the work ethic, you know, the emphasis on character. So it's really been easier for me to stay on in a in an institution where the values resonate with my personal values so that's one culture is also a very important part and has been a very important part for me um i think i i knew early very early on that i couldn't work in toxic environments and they wouldn't be healthy for me and i've been fortunate to be in an environment that has helped me thrive. And in terms of our culture, it's the culture of collegiality, is the culture of transparency, is the free flow of ideas, irrespective of hierarchy, and the fact that we work hard and we play hard. So that's one of the reasons why I've stayed this long, you know, at detail. It's also about building, you know, developing and mentoring people and, and deliberate efforts at inclusion. I mean, I think for me, and I I can't say that this is for everyone, but I would say that when you've been part of an institution and you've watched it thrive and grow, it kind of becomes a part of your life, you know, and it also encourages you to want to um, be part of that institution to enable others also thrive, you know, and also grow. So those are, those are some of the things that have um, made me stay on at detail. It's great to hear, Dolapo. And I think, you know, your points around culture are, are, are very interesting indeed. And, you know, the, the work hard, play hard. I mean, maybe you can just take care of that with a, a generous, you know, uh, a staff entertainment budget. But some of the other things you talk about take much longer to develop this collegiality, respect, mutual respect across the firm. I mean, what are some of the practical steps that the firm takes to ensure that these more 
nuanced cultures are, are achieved and maintained? And, you know, do you have anything planned to develop these positive cultural components further now that you're, you know, in the managing partner position? I think we, we have an already institutionalized way, you know, and, and it first starts from recruitment. So because of your culture and there are certain types of people that would work best in this culture, you already start to look at it from recruitment level. And that's why our recruitment process is quite different because we are looking for that potential partner. Everyone at detail is, is employed because we see a potential partner in them. If, if we interview you and you go into the interview, you find that you may not necessarily thrive in this environment or it's not the, it's not the environment where you would best grow, then it's one of the reasons why you won't be hired. And then when you get in, you know, you are actually um, onboarded on the culture. It's part of a manual that we have and you are onboarded. And it's it's basically part of how you... you it's a culture that is not... Um, I don't want to say it's not learned because some in some ways you have to learn it, but it's one that you experience. And as you experience it, you are culturized. That, that's, that, that's how I'd put it. So quite apart from the fact, of course, I wouldn't say that it's all been perfect. And a lot of the time you find that you have different generations coming in. So you always have to tweak because with different generations coming in, they look at culture differently. There are different ways they they um, they approach, you know, culture or approach different things. But across board, irrespective of generation, the core values must still remain. It may just be that our approach may be a little different for the different generations, and we have to do tweaks here and there. It's great to hear, Delapo. And look, speaking of uh, new blood and new generations and so on, I, w- I wanted to talk to one of our new partners at the firm, um, Abby Oden. Uh, look, you've been recognised as a, a rising star in the profession at the Nigerian Legal Awards previously. Uh, I mean, firstly, what do you put such recognition down to? And further, in leading the firm's finance and real estate practice. Are there skills or experiences you find necessary to excel in what can be quite different areas with different processes and different skill sets? How do you juggle both of those uh, very large departments? Uh, to answer your first question uh, around, you know, what I put, you know, or what made me be recognized or what I think made me be recognized um, I would say, first of all, it's client servicing. Uh, and this is in terms of, you know, just your general availability to clients, you know, in uh, responding to their questions, you know, their concerns, particularly in uh, illegal terrain like Nigeria's, uh, where doing business, you know, is something um, which people need to be carefully guided through, right? Um, also, it's um, what you deliver with your client services, you know. And one of the things as a firm we try to do is to be innovative at all times on transactions that we find ourselves um, because we, we get bored most times just doing the norm. So we try to... Um, always think outside the box whenever we're put on a transaction. 
Um, and I think it's things like that. Um, and just generally fighting for your clients. Uh, it's those kind of things that I would say has um, helped me uh, to be recognized uh, at the legal awards, like you said. And um, with respect to the finance and real estate practice areas, um, the first thing I would say is that learning the ropes in practice is very important um, because the things you learn in the law school are good, but maybe limited um, as you need to have, you know, some form of practical knowledge as to how things work, you know. Um, and I think this cuts across uh, the different practice areas that I lead, right? Uh, for instance, my first year or so um, at detail, I would say I did a lot of short lane between the office and the lands registry, uh, just to understand outside of textbook and uh, what my lecturers had told me in law school, how, you know, land related matters, you know, would typically work at the registry and that, that then assists you in being able to structure transactions for your clients in a practical and efficient uh, manner. Um, another thing would be uh, continuous reading uh, or looking for knowledge, you know, um, because there's no way you're going to be innovative if you're not constantly trying to, you know, increase your knowledge base. Right. Um, so those things help across whatever practice area uh, you find yourself. And, you know, just in closing, I, I would say that, you know, the finance and real estate practice areas are not so, are not worlds apart, uh, because sometimes there are intersections between these things and your knowledge in one area uh, may, may save you and your clients. Uh, in another practice area. I think that's a that's a great closing point on that intersection. And you know, you referenced that uh, customer focus at the, the very start of your answer. And you, you've just given it a really good point in that if you're the lawyer who has that cross practice area experience and you're the person that can pull those two threads together, you're going to be the standout advisor. And and my own perspective on the reading point is is don't be tied strictly to the technical or legal writings around the certain topic. Look for the industry papers, read the trade journals, you know, expose yourself to trends that are in affecting your clients on an industry level rather than a very narrow legal focus. But some, some really great, great points there, Abby Oden. I, I appreciate your input there. Um, and Chakudi, as a professional active in the mentoring of young and aspiring Nigerian lawyers. What makes you energized and positive about the next cohorts of talent entering the profession? I mean, do they have a thing or two to teach us older practitioners? Uh, and, and another part of this question, however, is and to counter this, what are some of the skills you're finding yourself working to refine in those that you mentor the most you know what what skill that is so desperately needed is not most often immediately available or present in your in your mentees thank you for that question thomas um i'd say that what makes me excited and energetic about the next uh, generation of lawyers is 
um, I noticed that there is a drive and a desire to take on a global approach to the practice of law, right? In my experience with younger lawyers and having mentored uh, a couple of younger lawyers, I've come to realize that a lot of lawyers are not only looking to the Nigerian jurisdiction um, in terms of building a career in law. Um, a lot of lawyers are now beginning to see law as um, a, a global phenomenon, right? And they understand that they are able to, uh, to build a career that transcends just Nigeria. Um, for example, I was one of those people and, and I took steps to get qualified in New York as well. So I've seen a lot of lawyers who are looking to get qualified in other jurisdictions and that helps with their international practice of law. And that makes me very excited because beyond um, the knowledge, there's also uh, the connections you're able to make as a member of other bar associations. And then you have a holistic view um, of how law is practiced in other jurisdictions, and that also helps with your development as a lawyer. Um, I also see that in this, in the upcoming generation, there's an unlimited access to information, right? Um, and, and they're using this information um, for, for, to better their careers, uh, to become better lawyers. And, you know, we're in the age where there's a lot of access to information via the internet, uh, and other um, medium as well. So that, that makes me very, very excited as opposed to, let's say, 10, 20 years ago where most of what you know would be limited to what you find in books. Um, there's also, you know, that trend of a lot of young lawyers looking to get as much work experience as soon as possible. And you see a lot of lawyers who are beginning, to, a lot of law students who are beginning to do um, internships and these internships are geared towards, you know, getting as much experience as possible and helping them to map out a clearer path, you know, of course, with the help of mentors. Um, and recently, we've seen a lot of international law firms um, adopt the virtual internship um, model. And that has opened up a lot of access to students from Nigeria, um, and all other African countries to experience what it's like to be an international lawyer and do these um, um, cross-border transactions. So that, that makes me very excited. Um, definitely, there's a lot that we can learn um, from the younger lawyers and mentees of us. Um, one of them is the use of technology to improve efficiency in the delivery of legal services. Um, you would agree with me that there's a lot of buzz around um, incorporating technology in the delivery of legal services. So you find out that a lot of younger lawyers are more skilled with the use of computers and a lot of softwares um, that we that keep springing up day by day. Um, you know, you find out that there are a lot of softwares that help with execution of documents, um, collation of do um, agreements, and a host of other things that the older lawyers um, did not have the opportunity to learn or are not familiar with. So these are some of the things that we can learn from the long, younger lawyers. Um, and of course, you know, younger lawyers now understand the place of business in the practice of law. Um, there's also been a recent trend of younger lawyers looking to enroll in MBA programs across the world. And, and I think that this is fueled by um, sudden realization that there's a there's a there's a role that lawyers have to play 
right in in the business world generally um, then in terms of um, what we think we are looking for in younger lawyers that we uh, do not see you know these days and I think that it's also a question of uh, of the difference in generations right um, we think that you know we want to see a lot of lawyers who understand that marketing is a key part of um, the practice of law um, you must understand that you know you're, you're, you need to grow your network in as much as you understand the basic principles of law and you are very knowledgeable um, in terms of you know what the letter of the law says you must also understand that there's a place for um, marketing networking um, in the practice of law um, beyond that we want to see a lot of people put in the work, right? So you don't become a success overnight um, without having to put in the long, the long hours. You know, you have to work hard. Um, you need to be diligent. Um, and of course, you must have some level of integrity um, in practicing the law. Um, and definitely, we want to see a lot of people um, apply more maturity and uh, lawyers have to be patient um, I know a lot of people want to achieve as much as possible within a short period of time. Uh, but the reality is that it's called legal practice and that you get better with time um, as you practice. And definitely patience is a hallmark um, in achieving your I think excellent insights there. So, so in a nutshell, we're looking for an internationally minded, tech savvy, MBA grad, graduate who is patient, mature and articulate. So you heard it here first. That's that's the uh, <laughs> the kind of lawyer that we need. I think you know I can chuckle, but they're all exceptionally well made points, and I think they are indicative of of what any lawyer anywhere in the world should be looking to to align themselves with um, to really fly in this in this profession of ours. Uh, Delapa, I wanted to turn to you before I have a question for for everyone here now. The firm's reputation as a leading non-courtroom-based practice is well established, but what led to the, the decision to work with a commitment to non-litigious matters? And is this trend set for any kind of change under your leadership, particularly in light of development uh, such as around arbitration and the alternative dispute resolution explosion that seems to be impacting certain African markets? So, you know, the, the why and also a little bit of a look to the future here. Okay, thanks, Norma. So as to the as to the how, why? Okay, as to the why. Um, why did we choose to focus this way? I'll i have to give you a bit of histronics. Um, so details started as Gemidi and Associates, um, where our lead, our founder and lead partner, ID Gemidi, started a small full service firm out of Port Harcourt, Port Harcourt in River State in Nigeria, and um, because Port Harcourt has more didn't have many in terms of commercial clients you had to be doing a big a mix of um both corporate commercial and also a lot of litigation because it was more for legal practice litigation uh, was more of the work that you got there but he found that in course of practice that you know his clients when he was bogged down with litigation his clients who he did corporate commercial work for kind of like missed him because they thought that he brought a lot of value to them. 
And at some point, he started to think about, um, you know, the future of the firm and think about what he did best. And he knew that this was where his expertise was, but couldn't make a connection. We continued to do that in Port Harcourt and then decided to move to Lagos to start detail. And this, this was over, what, 16 years ago now. And um, said to focus being, you know, a commercial law firm. And it wasn't a fly-by-night decision. It's, it's actually a decision that was taken and it's actually the very foundation, you know, for who we are as a firm. So um, just talking about the future, which I'll talk about, um, it's not something that we just arrived at. It's actually something that we actually talk to every lawyer at detail about because you need to know the reason why we've chosen to focus, you know, as corporate commercial lawyers rather than do corporate commercial and litigation. And I'll tell you a few of them. Um, one is that we can't be everything to everyone. And we've chosen to focus to devote our entire resources to helping businesses and business people achieve their business objectives. Um, whilst law firms in Nigeria can practice, can do full service, which is both litigation, you know, and corporate commercial work. We've chosen to focus here and devote our entire time, which is when we get into the office, this is what we're thinking about, you know, we're thinking about your projects, we're thinking about your transactions, and you'd find that clients who worked with us for a while, it's not cliche, but they tend to say that they are very detailed. And that is because we put our entire time to focus on what it is that our clients want to achieve. We are also available to our clients anytime that they need us to be. Um, and we find that in terms of capacity, what we've helped do in terms of the terrain is grow the capacity for corporate commercial law firms or corporate commercial lawyers who devote every hour of the day, not half in court and half, you know, doing transactions. We are always available. So no matter what time of the day you want to meet, if you if you are working for a full service law firm and you're working for, for example, um, someone who's a commercial litigator, there would be times when he would have to be in court in the mornings because the court runs between the mornings and maybe 2, 3 p.m. And you find that you can only probably do meetings a number of times in the afternoons when they are back from court, but this this is what we've chosen to do. So we are available to clients all the time. The other thing is that focusing on co commercial transactions keep us proactive um, because it's actually sometimes a lost center for us when clients get into litigation. So we are proactively looking at their transactions to ensure that they don't get into disputes. The thing really is that even when our clients get into disputes, we actually help them with strategy. We help them with selecting a litigator, an arbitrator. We help them through the entire process. But at that time, we know that our clients are not uh, are, are bleeding money at the time because you know that arbitrations can be quite expensive and, and with courts, it can be expensive in terms of time. So we are, we are holding the litigator or holding the arbitrator along to ensure that they get out of the disputes and not have long-drawn disputes because at the end of it is a business. At the end of it is a project that needs to go on. And last thing I would say is that oftentimes um, our clients are happy campers particularly those who listen to us and act on our advice. They're involved in less disputes. They get their projects done and businesses operating at, at less risk. But to your, I think to your question as to the future, you know, if there may be any change in light of developments, I would say that because we already support our clients, not necessarily, you may not see us necessarily 
changing the business model. But however, I, I think that we are open to we are, we are open to ways that, of course, we can always enhance the client experience. We are looking at ways where we, we want to enhance our role to be impartial because one of the things that endears clients to us when they get into the disputes is that we are impartial and we are able to look at their disputes dispassionately you know, and get the best person for us. So I, I think that what you may see as you go forward is enhancing that role that we play all in the bid to enhance and give value to our clients. That is a wonderful answer. I think really succinct. And, you know, you can, you've painted a picture that showcased that the decision of where to focus the firm, it had the customer service requirements and demand of the firm at its heart. And that has continued to inform the, for the firm strategy. I mean, in a real nutshell, the answer to the question is, because it allows us to deliver better customer service. And your point around a dispassionate third-party opinion when it comes to litigation or arbitration, I think is a, is a underappreciated. You know, if you can be seen as the firm that you say, look, we're, we're not driving any billables from this. We're not going to make any money from you entering this litigation. We are going to continue to advise and support you in this process, but we're also the people that draft to make sure litigation doesn't happen. So I think it's a, it's a really, really important point to make. And if I might move on to a, a final question for you all, and it, it's quite a short one, um, or dependent on your, your answers. It's if you could somehow give advice to your younger self at the very start of their career, what would this advice be and and why? And uh, Chikudi, if I could start with you and your answer to that one. So if I were to advise my younger self, um, there'll be three things I'll say to myself. The first is that you must understand that law is a business, right? And that um, irrespective of whatever altruistic reason you decided to become a lawyer, right? The key thing is you're in the business of providing legal services and you must provide these legal services to clients who can afford to pay you and clients who will pay you, right? So that's the first lesson. I'll, that's the first thing I'll say to myself, uh, my yoga self. The second one is um, you should start as quickly as possible to build your network, right? Because eventually your network would uh, turn into business leads and it would then eventually um, crystallize into what would become your reputation uh, in the market, both within the local legal market and in the international space. Um, the third thing I would say to myself um, is mentorship is very key. Um, Mentorship at all levels and mentorship need not be uh, direct. It can be indirect. It can be someone you admire from afar, uh, but you learn certain lessons from that person and imbibe uh, in your own um, journey in the legal profession. So those are the three key things I'll say to myself, uh, my younger self. I think that those are lovely thoughts, uh, Chikudi. Thank you very much for that. And Abby Odin, if I could invite you for your, your thoughts on this question. Thank you. Chukudi has stolen a lot of my thunder. Uh, I probably would tell my younger self to speak to Chukudi. Um, other than that, I would uh, I would say early exposure uh, to uh, the legal industry is key. Um, so even when you are in the law school or you're doing your undergrad, 
you should try to expose yourself to uh, practice of law so that you get a feel for it and you know the kind of things you want to do and the things you may not be so interested in doing. Um, the other thing I would say um, is around visibility and just you know having that mindset uh, that visibility is very key to the practice of law and you should uh, you know just ensure that from day one when you start you try and be as visible uh, as possible in your practice I think those are the only uh, two things I would I would add on. That's great. Thanks very much. And Delapo, I, 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 I hate to say it, I may have stitched you up. Feel free just to say your fellow partners were perfect in their responses and you have nothing else to add. But any any thoughts from you if you could talk to a, a younger Delapo at the start of their career? Yeah, that would be great. Um, so I would say one, um, be diligent. Um, I'd say make every opportunity count and give it your best shot. Always go the extra mile. I'd say be teachable, learn like a sponge. But a few other things, softer things, self-discovery and introspection periodically is vital to your growth. Always do that. Don't take yourself too seriously. Live a little. Develop hobbies. Do things you enjoy. You know, value relationships. Value family. Never burn bridges. Uh, relationships as a, as a lawyer it can be as, it's as valuable as cash, actually, even more valuable. Um, and then, you know, take, take some time periodically to, to write and to update your impact statement. What do you want to, what, what impact do you want to make on your world, on your community, you know, as you go in on this journey? And, and always update it, always look at it and see where you've come. Thank you, Delapo. And, and thank you all for a, a really stimulating conversation this afternoon. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. Now, if you are new to the Africa Legal Podcast, you can peruse the entire back catalogue on all good podcast providers, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, amongst others. And as always, be sure to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this has been Chakudi, Abiodun, and Delapo, and myself, Tom Pearson, signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast. <laughs>